Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, uh, last, uh, actually a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chris spoke. And as soon as he was done, he did a great job. Love Pastor Chris. Come on. You guys are grateful for, for Pastor Chris? But as soon as he was done, I was like, bro, you stole my illustration. Like, like the whole quitting coffee, right? Let me, let, let me, let me show you on the screen. Like, I, I was the one who pioneered this movement, right? I was like, you're trying to take the glory, man. But no, no, I'm just kidding. Pastor Chris, I love you. But it's true. Um, but uh, about 78 days from today, 78 days ago, I, I started on this journey of not just breaking away from coffee, because I love coffee. Nothing was wrong with coffee, but it was the caffeine. The caffeine was brutal. It, just, hey, it, was, it was starting to, to mess with me a little bit. And, and it was a little bit interesting because as pastors, that's what we do. We drink coffee. We drink lots of coffee. And, and now it's like specialty coffees. It's part of the social construct of, of how we engage one another as believers, right? And so I felt a little bit hesitant to, to quit. I felt like I'd be missing out. I, I had a little bit of FOMO there. Like, what if I, I'm not going to be able to have that cup of coffee? I'm not going to be able to, you know, be uh, in that nostalgia of, of having the smell and the aroma. So I was feeling the weight and the gravity of it. But more importantly, I was like, I don't want to be left out, right? Everybody's doing it. And so I felt like, because for me, I felt like something must be wrong with me because this caffeine is just not settling right. And then, you know, some of you, you're just awesome, right? Caffeine does not affect you at all. You're like, I could drink five cups and go to sleep. And that, that's awesome. And I never, it never really messed with my, my sleep, but I started to feel a lot more amped. And I started to drink a lot. I was drinking like five or six cups a day. I would hit like three in the morning, three cups back to back in the morning was standard. And I don't do cream or sugar, just black. I want the bitterness. I want, I want the, the rawness of, of, of the coffee. And, uh, and so, so anyways, I, I, I had this moment where I just thought, this thing has a grip on me. And I don't like anything to have grips on me. I felt like I was, I was kind of enslaved to it to a certain degree, and that might be a, a bit of an exaggeration, but that's how it felt like. And, and every time I would get stressed, I would drink more. I'm like, man, I got so much tension today. Give me another cup. Because there's something about the taste, right? I, I love the energy that it produced, not realizing that the energy is produced because it stresses you out. It stresses out your adrenals. That's why you feel so amped. That's why you get that little buzz. It's not because coffee is giving you energy. No, it's because it's stressing you out, making you feel like you're running from a bear, and you, and you get a lot accomplished when you do that. Yeah. And so I just thought, man, I, I can't do this anymore. So I said, I'm going to go 30 days, 30 days, no coffee. And uh, first four days, major headache, major withdrawals. I did it during At The Movie, so I wasn't preaching that week because I knew it was going to be brutal. And so I just kind of suffered through that week. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I didn't realize how much it affected me until I quit. It wasn't until about the, after the 30th day that I started to feel a major shift. Like, it was changing a lot. Like, my wife was like, dude, you're nicer. <laughs> like, this is crazy. And I remember sitting, I was sitting at, at, my coffee, at my dining room table. I remember this one morning, and it was just, I had so much joy. It was just like this rest. And if you were to ask me before if I was joyous, I would have said, yeah, absolutely. But it was like this, this rest. I wasn't worried. I didn't have this 
angst in my head of everything that I had to get done that day. Because I would feel that. I would feel this pressure in my head, this, this tension. But I kind of loved the tension and kind of thrived in the tension. But all of a sudden, it was like I didn't, I didn't have that anymore. And then all of a sudden, it was, you know, I would sleep well, and I'd wake up at 5 a.m., and I'm good to go. I was like, man, this stuff, this is miraculous, right? And then, and then my, my wife started talking about, again, how just I was, my, my, I was a lot more calm and a lot more chill. And I thought, man, maybe people won't like me anymore because normally I'm, I'm super amped up. And, and I, I told Jackie, I was like, man, people have came up to me like, are you okay? And I'm like... I'm just normal now, right? I'm not, I'm not tweaking. And, uh, and so, so I didn't realize, I didn't realize that, that this caffeine has such a hold on me, and it's really a keystone habit. And a keystone habit is, is a habit where once you uh, get rid of one or you start a new habit, you get rid of a bad habit, you start a good habit, a keystone habit affects a multiplicity of areas in your life. So, like, once you start or once you give up, all of a sudden it starts to affect so many different areas that you're dealing with and wrestling with. And, and so in this series, we're going to talk about some keystone habits, some big rocks, some keystone habits that, that if we begin to, to break away from some bad and start to embrace God in some of these keystone areas, then it's going to affect not just that area but several areas um, that we're, we're, we're dealing with, from relationships to our life, to our energy, to our health. And so we're, we're just going to dive into some of these, these big rocks. Is that okay? Now, now a keystone, let me, let me just break this down a little bit. It's a lot like a puzzle piece. It's a lot like a jigsaw puzzle, finding that, that centerpiece where um, you got that one color. And once you find that color and that pattern, all of a sudden it's a lot easier to connect other dots. And so I, I want to help us in this series to try to connect some dots. To, let's identify some, some bad habits, replace them with some keystone great habits with Christ at the center, and just see what God will do. See how that masterpiece and that story begins to piece together in a way that maybe you never thought possible in the beginning. I did not realize what was going to take place after I let go of caffeine, but all of, the, all of the sudden the puzzle started to piece together, and it was like, man, this is a beautiful picture, and I'm not going back. Now, I'm not against caffeine. It's just I'm not a caffeine hater, so don't feel like you have to leave and quit coffee. Um, but it was just a keystone habit in my life that's made such a huge impact. And, and so today I, I want to speak to you uh, around this idea. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down, around the keystone habit of stress. Wow. Now, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but, but stress is an epidemic today. It's an epidemic in, in our culture and just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, storms don't play favorites, neither does stress. Like stress is always knocking at the door today, like, hello, waiting for you, Monday morning, let's get it. Like it's waiting. And even the world is kind of taking notice of this. In fact, the great theologian, Soldier Boy, look what, look what he says. He says, I, I, feel like, I feel like it's big now with the passing of Mac Miller, which is another artist. Rest in peace, Mac Miller, who was a good friend of mine. That just showed people, like, it could happen to anybody. Just because you have fame or money, you're not immune to the negativity and depression and stress. See, even the world is taking notice that, man, something is broken here. Something is not functioning properly. And, and when you look at some of the latest stats, it's not just happening in adults. It's starting to affect our children in a huge way. Look at this, this stat from Barna. Uh, when they interviewed 13 to 17-year-olds, and they said, how much, if all, do you think each of the following 
is a problem among your people, uh, your age group, in your community. And when it came to anxiety and depression, almost 75% of them said, that's a huge problem. 75%. And then they broke it down and said, maybe it depends on their economic status. And so they did the numbers. And no, it's still right up there. No matter what walk of life you come from, it's an epidemic for everybody. And our kids are getting more stressed because we're stressed. We are running around like crazy. There's so many things happening. In fact, a study done in 2018 has showed a dramatic increase. Let me show you on the screen that stress has increased to almost 60% of Americans say that they are struggling and wrestling with stress. And whenever stress is on the rise, so does anger. Because there's tension, there's turmoil, there's frustration. Come on, that was, that was your ride to church this morning, right? Isn't it crazy? I drive down the street on a Sunday morning, and it's like empty. Like, what happened to everybody? There's so much opportunity in this barrier to reach people, guys. So, I mean, Sunday mornings is a great, just look at the road. You come early on a Sunday, nobody's out. Monday morning, everybody's out. So, man, we have, we have such a great opportunity. But, but with stress on the increase, with, with, with how it's, it's, it's changing and shaping um, our, our physiology. Now, let me just say this. I, I'm not diving in so much to, to clinical anxiety or stress today. Um, but even though long-term stress, prolonged stress can lead to things like that, where it actually alters the chemistry in your brain. And that, that's a real thing. And so, so today I want you to hear, listen, if you're taking medication or something um, like that, I always have to kind of do a disclaimer. We don't want you just to, to, to get off of it right away. Like you need to consult your doctor. And sometimes that medication has saved some people's lives. And so we're, we're, not, we're not against that here. But, but we also want to try to get down to the root of things. Because as stress is on the rise, what breaks my heart is we're not enjoying some of the beautiful things that God has put before us. Right, like, let, let, me, let me show you. Let me show you. When's the last time you just looked up at the stars and just had this thought that the world weighs septillions of tons, weighs, spins on a perfect axis, and nothing holds it up except God saying stay? That we are just close enough to the sun that we don't freeze. We're just far enough away so we don't burn. It's perfect harmony. The, the universe is so vast that even our greatest technology cannot even penetrate a fraction of it. When's the last time you just looked up and were in awe of God and how big and how vast he is? That has an impact on your stress. All of a sudden it's like, man, God, you, you are pretty big. You are a little bit bigger than, than sometimes I, I make you out to be. And I think just some of the things that are right before us, like, like let me show you this picture. This is a, this is a, a beautiful spot, right? Isn't that so pretty? This is Pleasanton. Like the Pleasanton Ridge. If you're headed west, you can see it, and it kind of uh, coincides with 680. And I always tell Jackie, I was like, man, it's so beautiful here. Like if we were in Ireland, we'd be like, whoa, look how, oh, that is amazing. <laughs> but like we take so many things for granted. Like we look around, there's Mount Diablo, beautiful rolling hills. We have vineyards. I mean, if we were in France, we would think that was gorgeous. Like when's the last time you just took a drive and just kind of soaked in the beauty? But the truthfully, we don't have time for that stuff. Who has time to take a drive unless we're stressed? I just need to take a drive. I'm stressed. And we're thinking the whole time we're driving. For some of you, it, it may be therapy, but... But what, 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 about, what about the ocean? Any, any ocean people in here? Yeah, all you prideful people with your bathing suits, right? Um, so 
Half Moon Bay is, is one of the most beautiful beaches. I mean, it's just gorgeous. A little bit scary to get in the water, a little, little freaky, you know, jaws and that type of things crosses your mind. But, but to sit on the beach and just look at the power of the, uh, and the beauty of what God has created, that God literally said, waves, stop here. Like, how come it just doesn't consume the earth? Like, we just don't have time to think about that stuff. What about, what about relationships, right? Look how God has so uniquely designed us. This is our kids. This is our, our grade school um, time of small group. All of our kids, they, they do small groups too. So it's not just us encouraging you. All of our kids on Sunday do small groups. I think how special it is. I mean, there's just such a, an innocence, and they're just excited to be together. Nothing matters except, man, we're just, we're building relationship and we're, we're, we're Christ is the center of it. And, and we're just, you know, we're playing, we're, we're laughing, we're having a good time, we're, we're, we're growing. But sometimes just the thought of relationships today stress you out, stress me out. Right? Just the thought of, uh, of friends, man, it's just one more thing I got to do, friends. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's true. We don't, we don't mean it like that, but it's true. And I think if we're honest, we've all felt that at, at some level, right? And, and then what, what about this? Let, let me show you, show you one more. What about this beautiful invitation to be with God, to be in relationship with the God who created all of these things? With the God that says, hey, listen, I, I have purpose for you. Like, I'm writing this story that I want you to be a part of, that, that, that I've, I've destined you with purpose, not just to stress and exist to try to make it, but to live your life with intentionality to live your life on purpose, with purpose, to make an eternal difference, like to actually snatch some people from, you know, darkness, that they might experience God's marvelous light, that he's called us to go and make disciples. But who has time to make disciples? My goodness, it takes too much time. It stresses me out. We were at Lost World, uh, which is like a kid's playground the other day, and, and, and the kids came up and they, and they had their their cups, and Jackie was pouring them water, and they had their cups up, and I just had this thought. I said, man, I wonder how many cups that children are holding up today that won't get filled. But we, we don't, and, and it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I started thinking, man, what can we do as a church? Maybe to, to bring some relief there. It, I, I'm praying through it. I, I feel like it, it may be something divine that, that God is speaking to me in that moment, because it was just this idea that my, my girls' cups are about to get filled. But there's a lot of children today, that their cups are still being held up. But who has time to think outside of ourselves? Because we're, we're stressed. And a lot of times we don't even realize it anymore. And then one day we wake up and we just realize, like, I'm pretty heavy today. Life is it's a little overwhelming. And that, that's why I, I, love, I love the scripture. And look, look how Luke describes it to us. He says, be careful. How many of you guys know when, when the Bible says be careful, when God says be careful? Remember, these guys are in, they're writing, but they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Lord saying, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing. You know, that literally means a headache, like after you've been drinking all night. So be careful, or your lives will be weighed down with a headache, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. It just comes so quick, so fast. Next thing you know, it's like, whew. and then after a while, we kind of forget that we're stressed. It just becomes the way that it is. And I think there's a lot of things that, that weigh us down, and I, I listed a couple of them for you. Um, 
Let me just show them to you on the screen. Uh, I think, first of all, let me just highlight a few sin. Sin will stress you out. Because what, what sin does is, is it, it, it breaks, right? It, sin, there's a breakdown in a relationship. You're like, he's going to break the plate. I'm not going to break the plate. Come on, man. There's rules in church. Glass can fly. Safety first. But sin, sin what, 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 what sin does, when you have sin on your plate, it fractures things. Fractures your relationship with God. Fractures your relationship with others. Can I just tell you that the, one of the number one reasons for stress is broken relationships. There's just tension and stress, whether it's marriage, friendships, family, a lack of all of the, all of the above. It creates stress, right? And, and then we have social media. Oh, my goodness. Social media. Social media is a, is, a, is a couple of plates today, right? I, I mean, you can see what everybody's doing, and it's stressful just watching everybody live their life. Isn't it sometimes? Or when they're living their best life, or at least it looks like their best life, but is it their really best life? Really not sure. Stressed. Because I think I want that life. Do I really want that life? I'm not really sure if I want it. Anyways, Traffic. Traffic. Some of you guys are fine in the morning till you, till you jump on the freeway. And then you're like, I should have got up earlier. Just stressed. Let me talk about the phone. Let me talk about the phone. You know, the iPhone has changed the way that we do life. It's changed the way that we live. Like literally, we have access to everything all the time, 24-7. We can work as much as we want. We can uh, explore as much as we want. Uh, we are available uh, even if we don't want to be available, we're available. And it's just we never leave anywhere without our phone. It's literally no joke. Forbes just came out with an article. The iPhone has changed the way we live. That's crazy. There's just so much access, right? And then what about marketing? Marketing is, it'll, marketing stresses you out. If you're in marketing, you know what? You, you plan to stress people out. That's your job, right? <laughs> your goal your, your goal in marketing is, is really to let everybody know what's wrong with them and what they need to solve the solution. And Max Lucado, a famous author, he said, man, I had a bald spot for the longest time and I did not even realize it. My wife didn't say anything about it. I just thought, man, it was okay until I saw a commercial that said, it's not okay. And this is what you need. <laughs> Stressed out. Right? I mean, this is crazy. And then our economy and politics and future and health and the, and the list just goes on. And so what happens is today, it's not that we have a full plate. We have full plates. Wow. Wow. And it's already heavy and I only got about five. You can imagine we're trying to bear the weight of all of these things. Full plates. Stress does not play favorites. But I think a lot of times stress has less to do with what we're doing, and it has a lot to do with how we're broken and how we process and how we prioritize because what we're doing is flowing from somewhere. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As the heart goes, our life flows. And so I think it's less about what we're doing. I think it's more about the areas where we're broken. And so and it's hard. It's just hard to to find peace. It's hard to find rest today. And I think the question begs is, why is it so hard? Well, I think we, we, we get a clue of this in the scriptures in Matthew. Look what Matthew tells us. He says, enter through the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. See, a lot of times we think about narrow, we think about exclusivity, like only a certain amount of people can get in here. But that's not what he's talking about. No, all are welcome. It's just a very specific gate. The way to life and to peace is very specific. There's only one true way. There's only one way. And that's why it's narrow. Because wide is the road that says there are so many different ways. And they make all the promises in the world, but at the end of the day cannot deliver. And so he says narrow is the gate. Narrow. It's one specific way to life and to peace. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father. Nobody gets a taste of this abundant life. Nobody gets a taste of, of, of joy in the midst of suffering apart from me. Because, again, joy isn't the absence of suffering. Remember, we, it's, it's the presence of someone. Peace isn't the absence of, of stress. It's the presence of someone in the midst of our stress. Because Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but, but you can take heart and you can be of good cheer. Because I'm going I'm to be with you. But it's very specific. But why is the road that leads to death? See, why is the road that says, forget the narrow gate, medicate? And, and that, that's normally our first response to stress. I got to get rid of this stress. How, how do I get it out? How do I get rid of it? And they say, your doctor says, man, we got this thing called Xanax. Right? And yeah, you know, prescription, I'm not against prescriptions. But come on, people take Xanax a lot today. I know a lot of my good friends are addicted to prescription drugs. And, and it's not because they, it's just trying to take off the edges. No, because they, they're, they're dependent now. That's how they get the stress out. And for some, it's, it could be overworking. I just throw myself into my work, into my career. I just got to stay, just keep my mind off it, keep it occupied. Just got just to just work a little bit harder, got to grind a little bit more. Right? For some, it's, it's sex. For some, it's pornography. For some, it's just medicate. For some, they, they, they find their medication in, in, in social atmospheres. They just always want to be out and can never sit still. Because if I sit still, I got to think. And I got to deal with my life. It's a narrow gate. So narrow gate, it says, no, 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 not Medicaid, narrow gate. And then Jesus says, no, 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 because the, another wide gate is isolate. Let's just, not, let's just not talk about it. I'm fine. I'm not stressed. So not stressed. And nobody wants to talk about it. Do you know when I talk, whenever I talk about anxiety, you know how many people come up and was like, thank you, because so many people are suffering in silence. Because the enemy just says, isolate. No one will know. No one will understand. And then the thought of telling a friend stresses you out. So we just kind of stay on this wide road, and we miss the narrow gate. And then the third one, it doesn't rhyme. Um, I tried, but it would have been weird. Third one is this, is, is we just tend to normalize stress. It's just, it's just life. It's just no big deal. It's just how I live. I know my health is a little bit, you know, on the, on the verge of collapsing, but it's okay. This is just life. This is, this is American life. This is just how it works. We're just stressed. Come on, not all stress is bad, and we try to justify. We, all these different things, like, no, 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 no. 
And so we find ourselves perpetually finding ourselves where, where now stress becomes normal. Stress becomes a habit. And how we deal with it becomes a habit in our life. And we find ourselves in this continual loop. Let me just show you real quick how a habit's formed. Habits formed is, is normally it starts off with a cue. A cue is, is a promise of a reward. Like marketers thrive on this stuff, right? A cue is, is a promise of a reward. And, and then it moves from the cue to the craving. Now, the craving isn't the habit itself. The craving uh, fantasizes about the idea of what that habit can bring. So, for example, it, it, sometimes it's not coffee or caffeine that I need. Sometimes it's the, it's the nostalgia of sitting uh, with a warm cup of coffee in the crisp, cool air. Like the promise of what, what's gonna, the, what it's going to feel like when I'm there. So sometimes it's not just the nicotine that we're addicted to. It's the fact that, oh, I just love it. After I eat, I can just go smoke a cigarette. It's just there's something about it. It's just, it brings a nostalgia to my heart and to my mind. And, and then it moves from the craving to the response. Now, this is the thought or the action that actually, you know, you begin to move into engagement. And then, of course, at the end is a reward. But, but the tough part is, is when you medicate, when you isolate and when you normalize, the promise of the reward can never deliver. But you still stay in this perpetual cycle over and over and over. And, and these habits now, the, these, this medicating, this isolation, this normalization starts to become your best friend. And you're just hoping that maybe this time it'll work. And I know this may sound like a little bit like common sense, and it is to a certain degree, but it's very hard to live out. Because we already have some of these patterns that have been in us for long periods of time. And so to experience some freedom in that, it's not always that easy. But here's the goal. The goal is when Christ is in the center of our habits, when he's in the center of our loop, then all of a sudden life starts to change. Because God can really deliver on what he promises. But, but if Christ is going to be the goal, ladies and gentlemen, just lean in. If Christ is going to be the goal that we got to take note to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says it this way. He says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, we're not alone. We have an audience. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. Easier said than done. But he gives us a little bit of cue on, on how. He says, and let us run the race uh, with endurance, the race that is set before us. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, of our faith. I'm going to stop there. Actually, he says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, it's important for you to understand that this word author, it literally means the leader. It means look at the one who has gone before you, who has led the way. Look at this imagery. Get your eyes fixed on this. As, as he was able to endure one of the most stressful moments, if not the most stressful moment in all of humanity. He was able to endure it for a joy that was set before him, right? The father said, hey, this is how it's going to work. Let me give you the cue. Let me give you a hint. Everything changes with what you're about to do. The craving of seeing humanity redeemed, the idea of, of this brokenness, God bringing resolve to it. And then, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this action of the cross, the, the stress and the weight and the gravity of the cross, he bore our weight. He bore all that weight so we wouldn't have to. But the result was what? He is sitting down at the right hand of the Father. The Father delivered on his promise. 
So we gotta put the we gotta keep it in perspective. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is not some whimsical thing. Oh, let me just try to look at Jesus a little bit harder. No, it's it's look at the one who has led the way and look at the outcome. Look at the outcome. Let that shape and form you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. That many times it's less about getting stressed out and it's more about inviting God in. So many times it's like, how do I get this stress out? I'm stressed out. Let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try this. No, no, no. Stop trying to get the stress out. Just invite God in to overwhelm it. Just invite the one who was over all of creation who created all of the universe. Let him come in and overwhelm that stress. Let him come in and speak. Let him come in and shape. Let, come, let him come in and renew. Let him take control. Give him control. It's so scary to do this. Give him control. Give him that place of lordship on your life. Because listen, ladies and gentlemen, you got to hear me on this. And some of you guys are stressed out just listening to me. But... You, 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 got, you got to lean into this, is that your body and your mind was not built for stress. And that's why so much sickness is derived as a result of stress. You're not made for that. God has not designed your body for that. You were designed to run your race in a confidence and a peace with God. But sin has fractured that. We got broken pieces that we're all trying to wrestle with and wrestle through. And so the passage that God gave me to, to kind of lead us, to kind of take us home, was actually a little surprising. I didn't think I had planned I was going to go in a different direction, and I'm studying, the Lord dropped this in my heart. I was like, all right, talk to me about this, Lord. And it's a very familiar passage, so if you've been in church for any amount of time, don't, like, just don't go into that mode where you're like, oh, I already know where he's going with this, all right? Don't do that, because I'm about to take you into a different place. So lean in. And if you're new to church, just, man, perfect. Great day to come to church, right? But, but lean, lean into this, to this text. And it's a story where Jesus just got done feeding 5,000 people. He's, uh, he sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee. For some reason, over the last three weeks, we've not been able to get away from water, right? We were with Paul on, on the sea in a storm, and now we're going to be with the disciples. And, and he sent them across uh, to, to, to go to the other side, to the, to the area of Gennesaret, and it became nightfall, and Jesus went away in a solitude place to pray. And so uh, that's where we're going to kind of pick up in the text. And it says this, uh, starting in Matthew 14, verse 24. It says, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already far from land, meaning he was there alone, meaning Jesus. But the disciples were already far from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Here we go with wind again. I don't know. We're just in wind the last few weeks. This is where the Lord wants us to land. So maybe we didn't finish it up. Maybe some of y'all didn't get it last week. Um, but I stopped here. Lord, I've read this text a thousand times. What is it? How does this relate to stress? Like, what are you saying here? So I looked up this word buffet. You know what it means in the Greek? It means to be tormented, to be tortured. And I thought, so many people today are tortured by this reality of stress, yeah. tormented every day. And it may not be this excessive torment, but there's just this, just this constant angst, if you would. And some are very tortured, but buffeted by the waves, just one wave, just lots of waves, just 
And they might not even be huge and overtaking, but they're just, just tormenting me. It's just like little thing over here and this little thing over here and this one over here, him and her. And, and, it's, just, and it's just like it, it won't stop. And, and the disciples now are in a place where they're stuck in torment. Because we, we see this passage show up. We see this story show up in several of the Gospels. And each one of them, you get a little bit of take, so I'm going to piece some of it together for you. It's important when you study the Gospels that you make sure you're going and studying the other Gospels so you can get a fullness of meaning uh, when, you, when you're reading uh, uh, so, some of this narrative in, in the Gospels. And so, so I, I want you to get this picture. They're, they're stuck. Let me, let, me, let me show you. Let me give you a visual. Is, is they're, they're, they're tormented by the waves. They're stuck because of the wind. It says that they, they were in the face of the wind again, and they just could not do anything. In fact, uh, we, we learned from, from Mark that they were rowing and rowing and rowing. And just, it just, again, I just, not getting anywhere. We're stuck rowing. We're stuck tormented. We're stuck by the wind. We're stuck. We're just stuck. We're not moving. We're not going forward. We're not going backward. We're just stuck in this place of torment. And to top it off, once again, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> I was thinking, it's like, it, it, when, you, when you think of that, stuck. Rowing, winds, it's like coming over the Altamont at 6 a.m., right? <laughs> just tormented. It's just, it's, it's, it's just it's frustrating over and over and over. And so, so normally when this happens, normally when we're stuck, what we do is we just try to row harder. Let's just row harder. Come on, man, suck it up. So everybody has stress. Let's just go. Get on it, right? And, and we've talked a lot about rowing over the last couple of weeks. I think God is trying to say something to our church that, that, that you can only row so much yeah. until you realize you don't have what it takes. Yeah. Until you realize, God, maybe I need you. But some of us, we're stubborn. And we'll just row. We're bleeding. I'm getting out of this. I'm just, right, you got one hand now. You're just like, um, then you with your foot. Just like stubborn people. Stubborn. So this is the deal. It's what I believe that God wants us to lean in today. You can keep rowing or you can start boasting. Like, what do you mean? Take a note, shot this down. You can start boasting in your weakness. You keep rowing or you can start boasting. Boasting in your weakness. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians. He says, he says it this way. Go on. There it is. He says, each time he said, my grace is all that you need. This is Paul the Apostle wrestling with some of the tormenting things in his life, trying to find resolve, and crying out to God, God, come on, help me. He says, my grace is all you need, and my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. This word boast, it has this idea of a head up, as Jackie said, and an attention that you would think would be prideful, but it really has nothing to do with you. Your head is up because your focus is all on him, that you found a solution, that, that when you are in a position that's bigger than you, when you are facing, you found this great, great secret of I'm going to boast in the fact that I can't because, because when I can't, that's where God's power steps in. The end of my rope is the beginning of his rope. And Paul said, this is crazy. So I boast because I can keep rowing, but my power is insufficient to deal with what I'm facing. 
but so I'd rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ would work in and through me. Get that picture in your mind. And so, so, so Peter has this moment. Let's look at it together. Peter has this moment. He says, let me set the stage. So Jesus comes out to them walking on the water. This is Jesus' famous walking on water moment. And, and the disciples don't recognize him. It's dark. They're being tormented by the waves. And, and they see him in the distance. And, and they can't make him out. They're, they're not sure. Now, in this day, in the context of this day, they were very superstitious when it came to large bodies of water. It was like the spirit of death is coming to suck us into the sea. Right? It was, it was, that was part of the culture in their day. And so, so they're looking and and I think it's so amazing, when we're in a time of stress, we're way more prone to see a ghost than the Savior. We're way, way more prone to say, this isn't good, or that can't be God, or, but it was the Savior. And he came out to them walking on the water, and they finally kind of made him out. And, and then Peter, he, 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 he starts to engage a little bit, and he says, Lord, if it's you. So he's not fully confident. Like, this is kind of a Doubting Thomas moment where, Lord, can I, like, can I touch, like, the holes just to make sure we're solid? And so a lot of times this passage is preached where Peter is full of faith, and he is, but it's not a lot of times the way that we think. And that's where I feel like the, a little bit of the twist is a lot of times, you know, Peter wasn't jumping out of the boat. And he knew the sea very well. He was a fisherman on that sea. He'd been overboard a ton of times. But this was a time that he's like, man, this is a little, this is over my head. This is a little bit too intense. So I'm not going to be as presumptuous just to jump out of the boat here. Hey, hey Lord, uh, man, I love that the idea that you're on the water and you're walking upon the things that torment me. I would love to be in that spot. I would love to be with you. So if it's you, can you command me to come to you on the water? And so, so all of a sudden, Peter is now more enticed by the possibilities of God's word than the, than the, than the possibilities of the wind. So, so Peter's in, in this place where he's like, oh, my goodness. And, and I love this because what Peter is saying is this is so much bigger than me. But I know, I know if you command me, if you command me, your power will be made perfect in my weakness. And so, so in this passage, we see Peter boasting in his weakness that the power of Christ might work through him. And, and you know you're boasting because when, when God says come, that's like what we all dread. God, if it's you, tell me to come. He says, all right, come. What? Are you serious? <laughs> I didn't think you were really like serious about this, right? Listen, you will know that you're at the end of yourself when you come. You will know that you, your boasting is legitimate and not manipulation because you will come at the master's call. Because you've really come to the end of yourself. You've really come to say, I don't have what it takes. I need you. And so I would propose to you this, that boasting in your weakness is probably one of the greatest demonstrations of your faith in Christ. And you just need to go home and chew on that for a while. That boasting in your weakness. A lot of times we think faith is like, let's go. We're jumping out. We're stepping out. No, no, no. It's saying, I have nothing. I am empty apart from you. So I'm going to lay fully a hold of your word. As you command me to come, there's no questions. Because I'm at the end of me. 
I'm at the end of me. Let me show you this picture. My daughter and I, we, uh, we got to go uh, zip, zip lining in Colorado. And it was, it was a big drop. But it was a tandem zip line, so I could, I could sit with any of my girls, right? And they, they could go. And so I remember before we got on the ride, it was like, Dad, I don't want to do it. I'm scared. I was like, babe, do you trust me? Like, like I'm going to be with you. You're going to be on there with me? I'm going to be with you. And I just watched her. I, I think Peter, we, we had this picture, like Peter just jumped off the boat. No, Peter was still, he wasn't fully certain. He, he was doing it afraid. Yeah. And we see throughout this entire narrative, it was like Peter was still a little, he was a little spooked. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, my, my daughter says, okay, like I'm, I'm going to get on. And, and so she was terrified in and of herself, but she was holding fully on my word. That, that, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you, and it's going to be amazing. Let's go cross. Let's go cro cross this, this massive gorge that should consume us. Let's go ride on top of it. Let's, go, let's do this together. That's as, that's as spiritual as I get. I'm like, we're not walking on air today, little, little girl. We're going to ride on this zip line. We're connected to a cable, right? <laughs> but but, but I, think it's so, I think it's so important because, because many times that's exactly God is saying, will you step into your stress with me? And so that leads me to, to my second point is this, is if that's going to be the case, we have to live a first God life. Now, now we always say things like God first. So I wanted to reverse it because I think it, it sounds better when we say first God. Well, what do I do here? First God. Well, what, what do I do here? First God. First God. First God. First God. First God. Now, now, look, now look what happens to Peter. Peter says this. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and started to come towards Jesus. Now, this, this is a huge moment. Peter is not jumping out. Peter is like, okay, let's see how sturdy this thing is. I think we're good. And so, so, so Peter starts to come. Now, it's crazy because as much as we, as much as, you know, we can kind of laugh about the story, it's so much easier to stay in the boat of worry than it is to respond to the voice of the Savior because it's normal to us. Like, it, like worry, like we're used to it. So when God calls us to come, we've normalized worry so much, it's way easier to worry in the boat than to trust in God, than to trust his voice. And so, and so all of a sudden Jesus says, come, and we say, but. But what about the waves? But what about this? What about that? Can I, can I go to this first God? Let me go back and bury my father. Let me go back and, and tell my family goodbye. Let me go back and, but, and that's where we live our life. It's like we love the idea of stepping out of the boat, but, but we, we're like, but. I remember this, this guy by the name of Blonde, and he was a famous tightrope walker, and he would walk across Niagara Falls. He would do some crazy stuff. He walked across with a wheelbarrow one time full of stuff. And he says, how many guys believe I could, I could do this with a person inside? And every, the whole crowd was like, yeah. And so we looked at the crowd and said, who wants to get in? He was like, well, but, but that's a fall, that's a long drop. But, 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 and so God says, hey, will, will, you, will you step into your storm of stress with a first God? Will you put me first in your time? I know you got a big day, but can, can a lot of times we think about, putting God first just, as, me, just as, as a means of our tithing. But what if we took that principle and applied it to every area of our life? Yeah. What if we gave him the first 10 of our time? Yeah. 
What if he gave him the first 10 of our relationships, right? What if we, what if we gave him the first? Because God is saying, will you put me first in your time? Will you put me first in your finances? Will you put me first on, when it comes to your dreams and when it comes to your hopes? Will you put me first in your relationships? Will you put me first and step into the stress with me and see that I won't cause you to walk upon the very thing that should consume you? In fact, Jesus said it like this. He says, but... He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He said, just if you seek first all these things that you think you need, all the stuff that you think, if you just put me first, you're going to realize that I'm all you need, and I know what you need. Just do it with me. Do it with me, because if, if you're taking notes, you're going to want to jot this down. It's not going to be on the screen, but order determines capacity. When God is first, your capacity, it expands. It expands. Which leads me to my last point, and it's this. Is we gotta fight for focus. We just live in a world, guys, we gotta fight for focus. Paul talks a lot about training like an athlete. Paul talks a lot about discipline, of, of running this race. But, but, but what are we trying to see is my question today. And this is where I wanna land the plane. What are, we, what are we trying to see? The passage continues. And it says, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out. And I thought, sometimes we're, we're in moments of stress. I, I feel like many of us are addicted to this moment. We live our life like this. The Lord says, come, and we step out of the boat. We walk a little bit, and then we look, and we start to sink. He rescues us. We get back in the boat, but we say, no, you can't come in the boat because now I gotta figure it out again. I gotta, I gotta spend some time worrying. And then, then we drift away a little bit and he's like, hey man, I'm still here. He's like, all right, come. And you step out of the boat and you go and you walk a little bit and then you start to sink a little bit. He, he rescues you and then we kind of go back to the boat of worry and, and we're there. But Lord, you can't come in. You just, you just can't come in just to stay out on the water. Like, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna work. And we just live in this cycle. But I thought, man, whenever this passage is preached, it's like, you gotta fix your focus. You gotta, but what are we focusing on? It's so vague. I felt like the Lord just said, my compassion. Mark, uh, John tells us that Jesus was going to go, a diff Jesus had intended to pass by them. But when he saw them struggling, he redirected his course. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, immediately Jesus reached out. We need to fight for focus to see that we, have a, we serve a compassionate God who cares. Who, who's willing to save. Who's willing to reach. It's not just us pursuing him, it's him pursuing us. We got to get this. What are we focused on? We have to begin to measure his compassion by the cross and his power to save by the resurrection. And we need to get that before us in every situation when we say, God, we're going to step into our stress with you first. And I'm going to measure your compassion by the cross and your power to save by the resurrection. With that, all things are possible. All things are possible. So are you stuck See, it's not even about getting out of the boat. And this is, this is it, guys. It's not about, we, we preach this passage and it's like, get out of the boat. The story's not about the boat. It's not about you walking on water. Because listen, even when Peter was walking on water, they were still stuck. It was still windy. It was still wavy. Nothing changed until Peter, Jesus reached and grabbed Peter. And it says they went to the boat and Jesus got in. And it said, when he got in, the wind died, and immediately they were unstuck and arrived at their destination. 
It's never been about how do we get stressed out. It's always been about how do we get God in? Inviting God in. That's what it's always been about. It's not about you walking on water. It's about getting him in the boat. So where are you stuck? Invite him in to the boat. Invite him into the boat. See, bad habits aren't good best friends. So it's time, if you're taking notes, look at this. It's time to get a new BFF. <laughs> Boast in your weakness. First God. And fight for focus that you might live a life that, listen, is not moved by stress, is not stuck in torment, but is able to move in peace to the mission and the destiny that God has called us to. You might be stuck now, but you don't have to be. You say, well, immediately, I've been trying to invite God into my boat. Listen, 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 listen. Then keep inviting him. What does it mean to boast in your weakness? My question to you is this. Will you come when he calls? What does it look like to invite him? Just like Peter. Listen to what he says. That's what it really means to invite Jesus into your boat. Not just invite him and just kind of like, all right, cool, you're in my boat. Now what do we do? No, no, no. Listen to what he says and respond. If you realize your weakness, you will. Let me pray for you.